Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hello, folks. Welcome back. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. I'm your host, Joe Lou, and today I'm joined by Pastor Lydia, who's the co-founder here at 180 Church, pastor of Transformation and wife to Dr. Sammy. And we're back after a little bit of a hiatus um, from Easter and also adjusting to the new social distancing protocol. So we're bringing you our first virtual broadcast uh, through an application. And so to kick us off with this virtual broadcast, we are talking about the importance of evangelism. And we all know that as believers and followers, the Great Commission is an important part of our lives and our beliefs. And so during this time, we're having a conversation about how we can continue to evangelize uh, during these circumstances and also for the rest of our lives. So here's Dr. Sammy. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Hey guys, I don't know what week this is. I sort of lost track. And last week I said, what a homecoming and a celebration it will be when we get to see each other and gather together again. But in the meantime, I think we're making strides, um, presenting an online experience that is both sacred and engaging and sincere. And Henry, our creative director, deserves a lot of credit. Would you give him an applause right now? online and whoever you're watching with, uh, shout out Henry. Henry, thank you so much for your, your hard work. Um, Peeves with Henry along with Kevin Kim and Andy have taken 180 Cares to a whole nother level and really created a sense of community and belonging that we needed during this pandemic and have with the care packages. Um, thank you guys for Uh, working so hard during this uh, public health emergency. We all have been pulled at the heartstrings. And, you know, we're adding additional layers to our worship experience. Um, And P. Lid, Pastor Lydia, has in her prodigious um, piano talent has been leading us into worship faithfully week, week by week. Thank you, babe. Um, you've, done, you've done a, such a fantastic job. And now we're adding additional instruments as we can. Um, last week we had Debbie Kim join us. And many of you have said that you've loved just a soothing uh, backdrop of that in the water. This week we have Dylan joining us from Houston. Um, he's not at Columbia because of the public health emergency, but um, it's gonna be an amazing time. And all in all, we've been making strides together as a community, and I'm proud of all of you. And listen to this really carefully, because this is paramount as we move into worship for this weekend. All this movement 
And all this activity really embodies the transition to our new series from Easter and Lent to Pentecost and the church calendar. The story of Pentecost is really about the church taking responsibility for the next phase of the mission of God's kingdom. Until this point in redemptive history, God did all the work. The people of God were still in their diapers, drooling and chewing on their shoe. I remember Nathan and Josh, when they were one or two, my dog Brownie was basically smarter than them. And sometimes you look at them and go, oh. <laughs> and, but Pentecost moving from the moment of the ascension and the resurrection of Jesus, the people of God take a leap forward. And in the history of the world, this momentous occasion changes history. The baton of evangelistic leadership and the responsibility of to push the kingdom forward is passed to the disciples and the ecclesia in Greek, that's the, the community of God sent by God. Thus, as we move into Pentecost in the church calendar, our new series is entitled, It's Our Turn Now. See, the story of Pentecost is the church, the ecclesia, the community called by God to become the main mechanism in which the hope of the world is embodied and represented. You. Tell someone next to you in the room you're watching this broadcast with you. Tell people online, you. You're the hope of the world. There's no other mechanism. There is no other system that God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit has chosen but the ecclesia. The fullness of God's power and hope now is in us. As the church moves from infancy and immaturity, it leaps forward to become the hands and feet of Jesus. How do we move from being a spectator to an active participant in moving God's kingdom forward? Jesus has exited the scene and now has called you and me to mature, to be responsible, to embody the best of the kingdom, to be ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Today, as you worship, will you reflect on how you're joining him to restore the beauty in all things? Not just as a catchphrase, not just as an axiom, but a way of life. So the question we asked in our new series, it's our turn now, is this. How do we go from being a spectator to an active participant in moving the gospel forward? moving his kingdom forward. First lesson we learn in this passage is that evangelism is not a gift for the select few, but the responsibility of all. Yes, evangelism and the calling to share the gospel in word and deed is not a professional calling. It's a misunderstanding of many. Many people think that it's my job. Doc, it's your job to preach the gospel. I can't do that. I can help, 
but I can't preach the gospel. I can't embody the gospel. I don't know enough. I'm afraid to speak to my friends. What if I get rejected? There are tons of excuses that come along when we talk about sharing our faith. Today's scripture reading comes from Matthew 28, verse 1 to 10. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. When we look at this passage from Matthew 28, from verse 7 and 10, notice carefully what the angels tell the woman at the tomb, and then the second encounter where the women meet Jesus. So let's read along there. Verse 7, it says that, Then go quickly, the angels say, and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead. So what's the verb? Go. Now let's look at verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, after he appeared to them on the road, going to tell his disciples, he says, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Again, the verb, go, go. You heard the word go three times. Whether we're afraid because it's vulnerable to share something so sacred and so profound and we feel inadequate or disqualified because of our lifestyle. Remember, the women here didn't have such a peachy life either. They had a past that, that was redeemed. So we can have many excuses for why we don't share. But it doesn't matter because the very beginning, the historicity of the gospel, are women called. People that would be seen at a disadvantage in terms of the validity of their testimony. But God calls people historically that have been disqualified to even speak. And the gospel calls them to speak. So I remember the first time I was... I believe 15 years old, where someone asked me at a church to give my testimony. And I remember feeling the butterflies in my stomach. And all my friends were there, and I just felt like maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I should leave this to the pastors, the professionals. And I remember going up to that microphone in a packed house. Hundreds of kids came. 
And, you know, everything in me felt like, man, maybe I should go home, get some Chinese food and go to Blockbuster Video. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I made a mistake. And I remember going toward that microphone and I tripped and everybody started laughing. I'm like, man, what did I get myself into? <clears throat> but I remember as I opened my mouth, even squealing a bit. What I remember is, as I spoke the name of Jesus and shared how he impacted my life, you could hear a pin drop in the room. Then I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, Sam, I'm with you. That night, multitudes of people accepted Christ. Not from a professional, but from just a kid. And I felt the greatest joy for sharing the greatest news, even an imperfect vessel, afraid. You see, evangelism is not a gift if you read the whole New Testament. Evangelism is not a gift. We, I know historically we peop, we've called people evangelist, and there are because there's systematic infrastructure in large gatherings of denominations and Christians all over the world. But it is not biblical to think evangelism as a gift. Some people are just good at this. No. Evangelism is a calling. It is not a gift for the select few. It is a responsibility for all for you and me. I pray the Spirit would show you your friends and your family that you can show and love Jesus, show the love of Jesus too. One of the cares is a great way to start the conversation. But sometimes you do have to walk across the room and feel the butterflies and have that faith conversation with friends. The Billy Graham Center has studied empirical studies at Wheaton College that 89% of millennials clearly say that they're willing to have a faith conversation, but only half take that step. So today, will you let the Spirit of God convict you and show you the faces of people that you need to have courage for, to pray for, and to begin engagement and share how Jesus has changed your life? I pray the Spirit of God will show you. So the question we asked in the very beginning was how do we move from being a spectator to an active participant in advancing the gospel and the kingdom of God as ambassadors for Christ? The second lesson we learn from Matthew 28 is that evangelism isn't a suggestion. It's a command. Now we focused on verse 7 and 10, what the angels told the women at the tomb, go, go. And then Jesus, go tell my brothers. And then we come to the end of Matthew 28 and verse 19. And Jesus says, therefore, again, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But many people believe 
that this Great Commission is a job for the professionals, the missionaries, the pastors. That's not true. In the, in the first point, we said what? That evangelism is not a gift for the select few, but the responsibility of all believers. See, Jesus is not asking people who have made him Lord. Jesus is in not inviting you. Jesus, this is an imperative grammatically in this passage. Exegetically, it's an imperative. It's a command. So when it comes to it, when we don't share our faith, the good news, the greatest news of all, because of fear, of course God understands. And whatever excuse we have, the vulnerability involved, it's a matter of the heart. When we don't, it's disobedience. I've been a professor for many years in multiple seminaries. In, in my syllabus, I have recommended reading. And no one usually reads those. But there is required reading and required papers and required exams. Now, if a student doesn't do them, <laughs> He's going to what? Mostly fail or get a very low grade. And this is what a lot of people don't understand. Yes, your salvation, admission is free, completely free. The gospel embodies literally what Jesus has done 2,000 years ago. And what he has behind these rocks become the cornerstone. The message can never change. And the good news will never change because it's completely, as Jesus said in the cross, it's been completed and finished. Yes, while a mission is free, mission isn't. And a mission will be graded. If you look at the parable of the talents, it makes it very clear that the life you live for Jesus in this world will be examined. So if we don't share the faith because of whatever reason or excuse, it's something that God has to work in our heart, in our hearts in because this is a matter of discipleship. It's a matter of who has leadership of our lives. Now, Wheaton College in the Billy Graham Center, which I contribute as faculty for many years have studied that millennials and Gen Z have said almost 70% that evangelism is optional. Now, our church, we do a pretty good job in our community of being missional. But I want to bring it up again to all of us to be reminded why we do this <laughs> in and out, day in and day out, week after week, why we spend all this money and why we have a theater. I don't know when we're going back, but and why we spend all this energy is because this is not optional. <laughs> the Great Commission told by Jesus to go is there. Yes, we might be a mess. Yes, we might be afraid. Yes, we might say when no enough, <clears throat> but think about it. When the woman told the disciples about Jesus and how he's risen, they told them that it was nonsense until Jesus showed up. So folks, I know it could be frightening to share our faith. And I've experienced that in my own life, but man, the joy of experiencing people seeing Jesus show up in their life 
And the disciples were convinced by who? When Jesus showed up and they still didn't believe, but the power of God showed up. And in the New Testament, it says that, that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. You see, when we go in obedience, in our mess, in our fear, something powerful happens. God shows up in people's lives, like he did in this passage. And that's really the dream of 180. That's the dream exegetically of Matthew 28. To take this gospel across the room, across the dorm, across the city, and across the world, one person at a time. This is personal for me because I remember thinking about what I wanted to do for the rest of my life since I was a young man. Well, I'm still a young man, relatively speaking. <clears throat> and I became, in a sense, a professional. But recently, I came into collision with another possibility. As you know, at, when I was at Harvard Medical School, my director recommended me for a special program at, at UPenn, University of Pennsylvania, that is the number one program for education, a, a doctorate program that, would, that guarantees a presidency. And it's the number one program. And so I prayed about it and I went. And all the brightest minds in education from Harvard Business School, the director in Stanford and, and FinTech and all these people gathered together in a room, amazing people that are gonna change the face of education. And I remember this restlessness I felt. Because someone asked me, if you're president, can you continue to preach the gospel? And I, I said, of course. And then I had to really think about it. If I could become the president of NYU, or the president of Columbia, or Harvard, or a Wheaton College, the Harvard of Christian Colleges, what would that mean? What would I be really doing in the end? I'll be making Wheaton great, or Harvard great, or NYU great. That would be my job, to raise up tuition, to make the university renowned and prolific. And I realized I already have the best job, not as a professional, but as a kid. <laughs> when I was 16 and, got, and I stood up there in that microphone and mumbling and fumbling, talking about Jesus. And I come back to Matthew 28, excavating this passage and Jesus commissioned to go. And I remember with nostalgia, the greatest calling, the biggest picture of my life is telling people, showing and embodying this message, how to come to the Father. And I thought about it, even if I could become the president of the most renowned university, I wouldn't want to waste my life making a university great. I want to make much of Jesus. I want to make him great. Uh, hello, Pastor Lydia. Thanks so much for joining us today for our first virtual podcasting session. Um, how are you doing today? 
I'm good. Um, I'm really happy that we could uh, continue our conversations on podcasts virtually. I feel like at this point, I'm a little bit more familiar with all these different apps that connect us. So I'm happy to be here. Yes, me too. I am also happy to be here. Uh, so I guess one of the first things I wanted to ask you, Pastor Lydia, was, you know, I think Dr. Sam, you mentioned that there are, you know, a number of fears and, you know, a myriad of excuses we can make for why evangelism might not be for us. Um, you know, like that certain people have uh, a certain gifting for evangelism as opposed to not having it. And so I, I guess I wanted to just delve into the conversation uh, regarding that. You know, I, I was thinking about it, too. And the thing is, I think the message is so helpful because it kind of demystifies what evangelism is or not so much what it is, but who is meant to do evangelism, right? Yeah. Um. Because I think people often assume that some are better than others. And, you know, when you see people preach in front of crowds or even big crowds or, you know, stadiums, it almost you, seems like, oh, they're meant to do that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm not meant to do that. So therefore, you know, and then the question is, well, then how, what, what am I meant to do? Like what, you know, I don't think it ever really translates or if, or maybe the word is transitions to mm. what is my personal responsibility? Because it just seems like, oh, others are doing it. So since this is hard for me, this is not something that I think I can do. Mm. I think often kind of becomes that. Um, but the message is so helpful because it demystifies that. It kind of tackles it head on saying, well, actually, you know, you may think they have this great gift that's different from you, but really what they're doing is they have the infrastructure. They're in a system where they can actually speak to the masses. There's an organization aspect and, but they are getting up to do the responsibility just as all are called to do who are mm -hmm. believers of Christ. So, um, I think that's, I just want to say that again, because I think there's a misunderstanding about it, you mm -hmm. know, or it doesn't have to be a huge stadium, right? Or something you would see like on a huge stage. It could even be like, you know, in a small group and easily be, well, the small group facilitator is the one who's supposed to speak up about the gospel. Mm -hmm. And my job is to bring people to the group if I could, you know, right. even, even that, even though that's mission itself, inviting people, but there is the aspect of mission where you do have to, I mean, Sam said it this way. He said, where you have to walk across the room and talk about it, yeah. <laughs> like share it, like, you know, open up about it. And, um, I think. You know, it happens in small groups. It happens to, I think, all of us, mm -hmm. even, you know, or like, oh, pastors are meant to do that, but not me. Right, right. Or people right. will be, or there will be like lay leaders in a group with a pastor and they'll say, well, the pastor will do that. So therefore, there's almost like a, like a calculation of who's more responsible for yeah. it than the other. 
does that make sense right yeah i could kind of see that because it's like a lot of the times it's almost like you bring the expert to the to like the situation mm. you need to. so it's like it's almost like first or second nature to us to be like oh because my pastors or my leaders are more polished and refined in gospel presentation i'll bring them to my leaders as opposed to like mm -hmm. us sharing our own testimonies and sharing how or being able to express and communicate our stories as well right but the mystery of, i mean not the mystery what is it the myth of that is sometimes pastors are not even the better communicator i mean just want to put that out there right sometimes mm -hmm. people tell way better stories as a non-pastor than a pastor would <laughs> so oh. I mean, not that this is about like the skill of storytelling, but just right. saying that it's very anecdotal to think, oh, they, you know, they did it well. So this is not meant for everyone. It's you know, it's just like the studies kind of showed people actually believe that not all, um, not everyone believed that uh, mission is actually an obedience thing. They mm. thought it was optional. The studies show that among right. Christians, right? Yeah. So, but I think that's a good point. Like, I think there's an assumption that when then there's an expert in the room, everyone just listens to the expert. Mm. And, and you know what? There's truth to that, right? If there's an expert about a topic, yes, we listen to the expert. I mean, clearly we see that about the pandemic, you know, mm. when I think Dr. Fauci speaks, everyone listens because he has the data, right? Right. Or he has, he knows what to do. He, and, you know, so people are referring to the expert. Mm -hmm. But the thing about the gospel story is that this, it's a story of how God shows up and changes people's lives. So testimony is very personal and different, um, compared to like a, like a, I don't know, like, like a brief, yeah it's not just informative but it's actually a personal story mm. so um you know i think remembering that that everyone who has encountered christ and is a follower of christ whether we feel that we're qualified to speak it well or qualified in lifestyle um, in success, in status, none of that actually matters is what scripture teaches us. Mm. Let's see. So would you also say that like when it comes to sharing your testimony or sharing or having a conversation about Christ with somebody, it's also context specific as in maybe your story is something that the other party can relate to and stuff like that. So it's like, it's not necessarily that expertise or professionalism is required for having a conversation about Christ, but more so like where both parties are coming from and how this had happened. Like, oh, are you asking about relatability? Like, does one have to be able to relate to someone in order to understand and connect with their story? Uh, their gospel story? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think like some people might take away from a certain narrative and relationship description with Christ than like maybe another example. Right. 
Because it's about like, what about someone like me? And if there's someone who can relate to someone like me, I mean, that's a very, mm -hmm. very important aspect of, you know, right? Of yeah. sharing the gospel story. But I think, again, it's not one or the other. I think there's definitely a place for, you know, credibility or, um, you know, context of, relevance i guess like okay well that person doesn't really i don't you know what i mean like if people are coming in mm -hmm. and they don't know and and the people just random people start telling people about christ right in any yeah. context right it could seem a little bit out there right right, right. it because but yeah so it's not one or the other and i don't mm -hmm. think life really plays out that way anyway right mm. it's not like you're standing in the middle of a park just hoping to catch any person who's listening yeah. i think relationship i think is such a an important part of it and also relatability like for example you know someone in academia and this is also not always the case but someone in academia you know, um, is wondering, like, is Christianity intellectually, you know, credible? Mm. And for that person speaking to someone who understands the historicity, you know, of Christianity would be really, really helpful versus just, well, this is my story, right? Right. right. So there's definitely a place for that. But I think overall, this is... Um, this call to mission and a reminder of the call to mission and to, to speak and to live out the gospel is for all. Yeah. And it's actually not just a momentary moment of speaking up, but it's really like a, it's a call to a lifestyle of gospels to be ready mm. to speak of it, you know? I think that readiness is important. I mean, we could talk about the whole fear aspect, you know, feeling comfortable with it and not, but the readiness is what scripture talks about, you know? Mm. Scripture teaches to always be ready to share the reason for the hope that you have in Christ. So it's within community, it's within neighborhood, it's within, it doesn't happen just in, out of, you know, out of a vacuum, I guess, right? Mm. Or in a vacuum. But the readiness of a Christian to be prepared, not in a sense of public speaking, but to be prepared to know that you, you are holding a treasure that is meant to be shared with others, not hoarded. Mm. And that treasure is the good news of how, how Christ has transformed your life and is transforming your life. Mm. So. Right. Yeah, I think the preparation gets a little bit um, complicated or people make it a lot more complex. Mm. I see. Right. I think this is a great transition into also asking like, OK, so we've established that this is a treasure that as believers and as followers of Christ, it's something that we want to share and that we want to be able to um, bring this good news to our friends, our family and such like that. Um, mm. But I guess it's like when you are afraid or like i guess when it's hard to invoke that courage how how yeah. do we how do you think 
we could get started with being able to formulate our gospel story and communicate it like where where do we get started with um being able to evangelize uh, essentially yeah i think that's a great question because i think for most that's really the question that people are asking mm. you know um and i think the answer to that like you know for me personally like if you ask me so Pila, do you, you know, Pastor Lydia, do you feel comfortable coming on podcasts every week? How do you feel about um, leading worship in front of a camera now? <laughs> you know, like every uh, for Sunday service. And at this point, we don't even know the people. It's it's kind of gone beyond our um, community, right? Mm-hmm. So. Do I, how do you feel about that, Pila? Like, if you ask me, Joe, I will be very honest with you. I am so uncomfortable with it all. (laughs) Like, we're recording virtually right now. I'm sitting in my, you know, son's room in front of this computer, answering these questions and having this conversation about the gospel, Mm -hmm. about how it is a mandate to share it, to share this life in Christ Mm -hmm. as a mission. But if you ask me, how do you feel about it? I will tell you 100%. I'm very uncomfortable with it. Right. <laughs> so if you ask me, were you nervous signing on to this app to talk to you guys? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> was my heart pounding? You know, did I notice that my breath was different? Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, but did it necessarily stop me from showing up i think that's the difference you know right. you know i hope i do this correctly but in the book of um war of art right yeah oh, i was yes yeah, war of art it says that the very difference between a professional and an amateur is that a professional versus an amateur shows up and mm-hmm. does their work an amateur shows up when they want to right yeah. And I'm, I guess I'm only bringing that up because I think the difference between really obeying mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, getting, you know, kind of like, what is it? Uh, I, well, yeah, I mean, in the end, disobeying the call mm-hmm. is the difference is showing up or not showing up. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with the discomfort or the fear of rejection or, you know, it has nothing to do with that in the same way that a professional shows up and I'm not calling it a professional, right? But it's just a parallel that when you decide to do something because it is that important. Mm -hmm. And in this case, because it's about how we live our lives, right? You know, for Christ. And this is all about it, right? Um, we do it regardless of how comfortable or how ready we feel about it. Mm. I mean, for sure, I'm ready in my spirit because I know Christ lives in me. I know that Christ is changing me. He has flipped me inside out and is transforming my life, right? Mm-hmm. He has redeemed me. That readiness, yes, because it is the work that he has done. But in terms of me showing up, it's an internal fight, but mm. because I believe in the call of the gospel, I show up. Mm. So I wish, oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, please continue, please continue. I was just going to say, I wish 
you know, because there are a lot of these like, you know, mystical stories too. Like, oh, when I was afraid and when I wanted to speak, when I decided God put an armor over my heart and so that I wouldn't feel rejected. I don't think so. Like if that happens, that's very rare. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I think in spite of it all, you know, there's no armor that comes to guard us from rejection. Right. There's no armor or special power of mm. God that comes and says, well, you won't feel the, uh, the, you know, you won't, you won't feel the, uh, what is it? The effect of being courageous. I think the word courageous literally means to have heart yeah. from the word, right? Core, Latin word. It means heart. I think you just have to show up with your heart and be vulnerable. And like I am, I feel vulnerable every time I come on to record anything right. or speak in a room to speak to a person. Mm. But it is, you know, you do it anyway. Right. So it seems like what you're saying, if if I'm not incorrect in this, is that uh, you take. it seems like there's a process of you taking account of your feelings. Um, and mm -hmm. like understanding that fear is involved and being courageous in this moment might be difficult, but you still act on the conviction that you have about the importance of uh, spreading the good news and communicating um, the gospel message with people. Right. Right. Um, and I, I yeah. guess it's like a, something that I wanted to bring up. I thought you brought up a good point that like, you know, that within you, there is a readiness and a willingness mm -hmm. to be present and show up in these moments. And I also feel that way. Um, obviously I didn't in the, like very early in my faith, I think, but like, like during these, like during this mo like contemporary period in my life, it's like, I feel like there is that readiness and the willingness to have a conversation about the gospel when and where, but I think it's sometimes difficult for me to understand that when and where, right? Like. Uh -huh like knowing that this is the time and this is the place in which you are supposed to show up and present the gospel to whether it's your friends or family. And I was wondering if you had any insight on that, because I think it's like there may also be a lot of people like myself that are willing to talk about the gospel too, um, this mm -hmm. years, but it's like, how do we know when, or when do we, when do we know that we are supposed to, or that this is an opportunity to talk about the gospel? Yeah, I think we use the word conviction a lot, like oh, I felt led to or I was convicted to share it. But I just want to speak on that conviction. I think mm -hmm. the conviction often is seen as a, um, can be interpreted as like a feeling of now, yeah. like, or like a, and of course, conviction has everything to do with um, urgency, right? Right, right. Like, you don't feel convicted about it, but then when you feel convicted about something, you feel an urgency. You know, it's highlighted within you, within your soul, that you can't ignore it. You have to do something about it. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't necessarily mean that people act on conviction all the time. It, it gets ignored as well all the time. But, yeah, conviction to when someone receives a conviction to reach out to a certain friend or in the etymology uh, of the spirit, like even in ministry time or during message, Sam would often say, I pray that the Holy Spirit will show you that or convict you mm -hmm. of the people or the things that he is saying. So there's definitely a spirit insp inspiration, mm -hmm. 
But when we feel convicted to reach out to a friend, like for example, that we haven't spoken to, or someone we don't know that well, but that we have come into relationship with, or become acquaintances with, or you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And you feel convicted towards sharing the gospel with that person. It's hard to know in the moment, like what, what time frame does, would that look like? Would yeah. that be in, right? Mm-hmm. Like, do I just call them up right now <laughs> or do I establish a relationship? And I think these are like questions that, you know, people ask, right? Cause I know sometimes I ask that myself, mm-hmm. like, okay, what does that mean? I feel convicted. Or sometimes I think this is even harder is sometimes it's like a long term thing. You know, you could start out sharing um, your faith and where you stand with Christ. And then it becomes a very long relation, like much longer than you expect. Mm. Um, so I guess I just have stories to tell about it. And I think it it's really about obedience you know what? Okay, I'll just tell you the story. Right. Like, I, you know, now the, uh, what is it? The Last Dance documentary is so popular. I don't know if you're watching it, right? Um, I Michael Jordan? Yeah, I don't have ESPN, so. Oh, man, Joe. <laughs> we have to delete this part. <laughs> okay, you got to catch up somehow. Yeah. But the documentary of Michael Jordan um, has been released last Sunday. Mm-hmm. And um, this has nothing to do with the documentary, but... Um, I remember the one story of an example that um, that I just thought of because Michael Jordan's kind of like back in, you know, the picture yeah. is I remember when Jordan came back after his retirement is when Sam and I started to date. Mm. And there was a game that he was playing in New York. And Sam asked me, like, I am a huge Jordan fan now, but if you asked me about basketball then, I would have not cared. Yeah. Because I was kind of like one of those people like, oh, sports, who needs sports? Come on, that's not life. But now I understand how important it is, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm married to a fanatic, so. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing is, like, I remember he asked me, like, oh, hey, do you want to go to this Jordan game? It's like a big game. I was like, I don't want to waste money on that. Like, Do I regret it? Kind of. <laughs> but so I didn't go. I didn't go. But he had two tickets. And he actually asked. He was a bachelor then, you know, living um, with a roommate. And he actually asked this guy who lived across the street, like a young guy. But like, I think, you know, since Sam moved to that neighborhood, like, you know, you see each other on the street, you know, you say hello, like it could seem very random and kind of it was right. Yeah. And, um, he asked him to go and because, and here's the thing, like, this is the point I want to make because Jordan is such a context, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There was like a connection. You know right. what I mean? Like, like immediate relationship established. Yes. Yes. Kind of like how you could be in a sports arena and everyone connects on one level and you don't have to know much about each other that much. (laughs) And I think that's kind of what happened because um, Sam asked him if he wanted to go and I, and the guy said yes. And they went to the game. Mm. And interestingly, I honestly don't remember. I 
don't know if he won or not, but on their way home, um, Sam actually talked, um, talk, shared his faith with the guy. Oh. And he actually asked him, you know, you know, this is, this is my face. And would you like to accept Christ? And interestingly, he accepted Christ that night. Wow. And, you know, did they become like buddy buddies? No, they were just like neighbors and, you know, just very casual, but nothing like too crazy close. Right. Mm -hmm. But through that game, the guy came to Christ. So that's like an example of, um, not so much a long term like relationship, but it happened, mm -hmm. you know, and it was all about seizing the moment. Not really understanding when or what, because I'm sure he was thinking about, you know, the neighbor, whether he knew Christ or not, you know, sure. because that's, you know, his heart all the time. Like, do people know Christ and how do we communicate Christ, you know? But that day he actually sees the day and he asked him the question and he came to Christ as a result. Yeah. And then we see people, right? I mean, I think more common is we invite people to experience community, uh, experience um, hearing the gospel. And in time, people come to Christ mm -hmm. in cars. People come to Christ in retreats. People come to Christ in small group. And mm -hmm. that could vary from what? Uh, one week. I remember Andrew Lee came to Christ, the very first small group he came. Oh, wow. Andrew, yeah, he walked into small group. We split into small group. I mean, I'm in went into that small group to lead it and we all got together after and I'm in said, Andrew Lee came to Christ today. And the same Christ that he met that day is the one who transformed his life. Um, is transforming his life even now. Yeah. So I guess my point is it's not always so black and white. It's about mm -hmm. follow through and. I feel like, you know, it's kind of like, I think it would be like this. And you could tell me if, if this is fair or unfair, but I've never yeah. proposed to Sam, but yeah. I would think it's a lot like a proposal. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a lot of gravitas right there. <laughs> like I know. It's kind everything. of like on the journey that you might be on, maybe yeah. closer to you than to me, because this is, yeah. but it's kind of like, it is in many ways like that. Like, when do you pop the question? Right. That's a good. This is something for you to think about. <laughs> good analogy. Yeah. And, you know, that, I guess that's the more like intimate, long-term relationship when you yeah. know someone. Yeah. Right. But it's kind of like any breaking or, okay. So that's an example. <laughs> Okay, but I think there are ex other examples of not necessarily like having to know that person and knowing that maybe they might say yes. Yeah, it's not always the case. Right. And that not knowing, I think that's totally okay. And not yeah. everyone says yes, I want to come to Christ. Right, right. And I've heard actually a lot. Uh, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> yeah. And that's an honest answer too, which mm -hmm. continues the journey. You mm -hmm. don't leave the journey at that point, but you continue the journey with right. that person. So my point being, um, there's never like a clear line or, you know, 
Like, like a green light. Hmm? Oh, I said, oh, there's like nothing like a formula that we could kind of go off of for this. Yeah, all you can do is be faithful. Mm. Worst comes to worst, you share your story and they think you're crazy mm. and you spend the rest of your relationship with them yeah. trying to let them know why it's not crazy and why it's actually the, you know, the good news. Yeah. <laughs> So, I don't know. I just think we overthink it. I mean, I overthink it all the time. Yeah. But yeah. I think that's the thing. We're kind of meant to overthink it because there's fear involved. Right. Right. I think there's that element of fear comes with knowing like there's like a certain weight to the to like the dialogue that we're about to have in terms of talking about the gospel with somebody because it's like we know that there it's a matter of dire importance. And so it's like, mm -hmm. you don't want to mess it up, right? Like, I, I think that's like, also one of the fears that might be hampering a lot of people and myself mm -hmm. is that like, we don't want to mess up this opportunity. Like if this is really the opportunity that, um, you know, has been created for us to have this dialogue and this conversation about Christ, it's like, we a lot of the times I think we might come into that with the mindset, like this, you only have one shot and you don't want to mess this up. Um, mm -hmm. Is there, is there like, is there like any stories or any cases in which it's kind of like that's not always the case that it's not like you messed up the relationship or you messed up the gospel presentation and such like that? Yeah, I think that's rarely the case. Mm. I would say that's rarely the case, not always the case, because um, it's there's definitely like uh, you could go by an outline. I think when I was younger, there was an outline for a mission trip and everyone had to un understand how to share their testimony because they told us at any point we might call on you to share how you met Christ. Oh, wow. Right. And I think the outline, I mean, these are like very practical questions, but because a lot of times people, okay, so I guess the question is like, can you do it wrong? And yes, you could totally do it wrong. Right. And I guess I'll talk about it that. The only time you could really do it wrong is if you talk about yourself and not Christ. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> yeah. So one of the questions um, I think in the outline was, uh, what has Christ done for you? Mm -hmm. right um i think a lot of times people write oh yeah i met christ and let me tell you all about me this is a story of like what is the prince of Air? like you know you yeah. just go on and on talking about yourself and you're just like oh where does christ this is about that person's brokenness fair it's about that person's simple life fair mm -hmm. but then sometimes it could go on and on about um not Christ, right? How is this related to Christ? If that, I guess, happens, then you might want to write it down, you know, mm. have it shared to a friend who understands and get some feedback. Mm. Am I talking a little too much out of bounds of what this is about, you know? Right. But <clears throat> so I think that's like maybe the only time when Christ kind of becomes a shadow under um the person but yeah i think i i think th does that answer the question sometimes i forget the question i'm answering oh uh -huh. uh, yeah I think <laughs> so. the question was about like how 
you know, sometimes you're afraid of messing up the conversation or, you know, like this person might never come to Christ because of a bot conversation or something like that. Yeah. I think we should just assume that we might not say everything correctly, mm. but that's okay. Right. Because we, if we look at it as a presentation, like, you know, then mm. we have to say everything correctly. Everything has to be edited correctly. You know, we're not talking about Sunday service recordings or, you know, we're not talking about a presentation per se, but when we're talking mm. about presentation or presenting the gospel, yeah. hopefully if there's a stage required, uh, there's practice, right? Okay. But if it's to a friend, um, you can fumble on your words. Mm. Like, I mean, Sam said when he shared it at 15, the first thing he did when he got up was fall. He <laughs> tripped. Right. Remember? Yeah. So, and it, it was irrelevant mm. to how powerful it ended up being. So, I think it doesn't have to be perfect. Mm. And right. it's rarely perfect. Mm. I see. I guess it's like I might or a lot of us might have that conception because a lot of the times when we do hear gospel presentations, they seem so refined. Um, mm -hmm. But what you're saying is that it's not necessarily the refinement of the story that is the powerful part is the fact that like there is Christ in that story somewhere. Somewhere? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Like, yeah, you know, that's the point of the story. Yeah, that he is that you're telling the story of how how Christ has met you mm. and how he saved you and has redeemed you. Yeah. Mm. Yes, sir. Um, I guess another one of the questions that I wanted to ask also is that because there is that um, misconstruction of thinking that, you know, some some few are especially gifted with like being able to evangelize, whereas you know, our understanding of it now after the sermon is also not that we didn't know this before, but it's like it's a responsibility for all believers to evangelize. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, I, I know they always say that IQ isn't the only measure of your intelligence. Right. But there's many ways you can express um, your proficiency in, you know, intellect and such like that. So I was just wondering if there's like various ways of expression of evangelism or there's like more than just like you know, the pastor preaches the gospel as the form of evangelism? Like, are there multiple ways in which somebody can be able to share the gospel? I guess is what I'm trying to ask. Yeah, definitely. I think you could share the gospel through a card to a friend, through a letter, oh. through an email. Mm. I think it doesn't have to be so um, presented, right? Mm. It could be very relational. It could be over the phone. It could be over coffee. Mm. So, and there is a sense where when you commit to um, sharing the gospel, you do get better at it. Yeah. And, I, I okay, I don't know if, like, a lot of people cook, but I know that for sure since the pandemic, a lot of people are cooking more. Oh, yeah. And... I must say, as I cook more, I'm a home cook. I love to cook. I love mm. um, to share food and eat food. Um, 
try new things, you know, but I am at the end of the day, a home cook, mm-hmm. but I've gotten better as a cook and I'm actually, um, what is the word? Uh, what is it when I'm venturing off to even different cuisines that I've never tried, mm-hmm. right? Experimenting. Because there's a confidence that's growing about what I can cook and the fact that I can yeah. cook. Right. And also with that confidence, interestingly, the perfectionism of presenting a meal is kind of uh, disappearing mm. because you realize that it's a process that you're growing in. Mm-hmm. And, and in the same way, I think with sharing your story of how Christ has met you, and saved you and is redeeming you is kind of like that. There's a confidence that grows as you start. Right. So I think that's kind of how confidence works also. So even though there's fear, I've always been very shy growing Mm -hmm. up. Like I've been painfully shy. I remember when I was seven, I couldn't even lift my head. I've shared it in so many stories, but I was so shy in a social setting that I couldn't even pick up my head. I couldn't say a word. Mm. I was kind of like the kid. I would come home and be like, oh, man, I wish I said that. Why couldn't I say that when I was there? I was there for four hours, like, you know, kind of like part of myself. I was that kid. So to be in a place where I have to speak up and even lead, right, Mm. is very opposite of my comfort zone, like comfort level. But at the same time, because I've committed to serving Christ and sharing who Christ is and his love, um, I've grown in confidence over time as a result too. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, so I think it's a growing thing. We have to have a growing mindset about it. Mm, Yeah, totally agree. Was it like hard for you at first to talk about the gospel or do you think it was like, um, like, was like, can you, can you tell me a little bit about how you felt when you first presented the gospel to somebody? Do you remember? Um, the very first time I remember I stepped out in any way to invite someone to church. I'll say that mm. because I knew that. Cause I, so I was what fourth grade and I met this girl in my class. And the first thing I asked her, I think was, Hey, do you go to church? (laughs) And then she said, no, my parents used to go, but I don't go anymore. Mm -hmm. So I said, Oh, do you want to come to church? I remember asking her that. And, um, it worked out because actually she came to church. Mm-hmm. She started bringing her family to church eventually, and her whole family started to attend and heard the gospel and recommitted their life to Christ as a result. Oh, wow. But I remember the very first time I had to ask her, it was like, it was, I just, I just did. Because I think even though I was shy, there was something in me like, um, so I'm a PK, I'm a pastor's kid. So ministry was like a family business, right? Mm. And I don't want to say it like this, but like when you believe in a product that your family is trying to sell and you know it's good, you want mm. others to know about it. So yeah. like 
I, w- I hadn't gone through puberty. I hadn't gone through all these life experiences and people and, you know, rejection and all this stuff. So it was a lot simpler. Mm, yeah. yeah. It was in the beginning years of, you know, my parents' ministry before any hardship was, you know, felt by me as a kid. Mm. Um, so it was a lot simpler, even though I was shy. I just knew that I want to, sh- I want to invite them because I felt there was a sense of responsibility. I felt, mm, yeah. and also I had not come to a 180 uh, um, experience of realizing that I personally was a sinner. I knew that the product was good. Yeah. I knew that Christ was good. So therefore, I have to tell my friend about it because I liked my friend. Mm-hmm. So I remember it was like that, but of course, like when I got older, it got a lot more complicated. You know, it was a lot simpler like that, like inviting people to church. But I remember, um, I would be a counselor at like retreats, right? Mm-hmm. Like every winter break, every summer break, I would go to, um, these retreats and I would serve as a counselor there. And I remember after like the big talk where the speaker comes and, you know, talks about whatever topic in in the Bible, and then we would have small groups. Mm-hmm. I would always feel compelled to make sure everyone knew Christ because I just felt like, oh man, the speaker didn't talk about Jesus today. Like, mm-hmm. what if none of these kids know who Jesus is and mm-hmm. are coming to these things and thinking maybe it's just about kindness or like I always had that res- like feeling of responsibility. So I would always kind of um, stall for a long time, which felt like hours, but it probably was just 10 minutes because small group really didn't last more than an hour. Yeah. And I would just always open up or close with the question. Um, hey, so did everyone here come to Christ before? <laughs> yeah. And if people raised their hands, it would. And you know what? Crazy thing. Nine out of 10 kids had not come to Christ and they would say, I've been going to church all my life, Hmm. you know? Yeah. And then I kind of noticed the pattern, like, oh, this is happening in every retreat. And I would basically ask them, do you want to come to Christ? Right. And this is how I would tell it. And, you know, I don't tell it like this now because I've grown (laughs) in life experience to know that, um, yeah, how he relates to us is also important, not just what Christ has done, right? Yeah. But I would tell it like really simply, like, you know, because we're sinners, um, someone had to die for our sin. And I would always quote John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for us. So if you trust in him, if you believe in him, um, you won't perish, but we'll have everlasting life. Right. Hey, those are not my words. Yeah. And then I would say, do you guys want to come to Christ? And Always, like, it was always like 100% people would say, yes, I want to come to Christ with a desperation. Like, why didn't I hear that before? No one ever asked me kind of thing. Mm. Um, so it was like that. But I remember after um, I grew up a little bit more, it got even more complicated, mm. right? right? Now you're thinking about rejection. Like, do people think I'm weird, you know? you've witnessed some spiritual warfare, like all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of, um, you know, you felt oppression, you felt brokenness, you felt rejection, you felt negativity Mm -hmm. uh, around the gospel. 
you saw your parents, you know, like be hurt because of the gospel. You also learn people don't always stick around because of the gospel. Like mm. these are things that I had to kind of learn when I was much younger, being a pastor's kid. I remember when I um, finally came to the place where I realized I needed mercy and had to embrace the gospel for myself. Mm. Um, and this is more like last week's message about revisiting, but yeah. actually for the first time I felt, why did I always think I was an exception? I'm not an exception. I need God's mercy as well because mm. I am a sinner. Mm. And I don't get some special treatment um, into God's kingdom because I've done these things, mm. you know, and I've had quite a, a, you know, a few experiences of success under my belt at that time, right? In my 20s. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but I had to come to a place where I realized I've done all these things, but I missed the point completely. This is about Christ's mercy, not for sinners mm. out there, but for me. And I'm, and I would say I'm the worst because all this time I thought I was too good for that, you know? Mm -hmm. And by God's mercy, I realized I was a sinner. And thankfully, um, it was when I remember Sam asked me in college, he said, I said, Hey, Sam, I'm like really confused about my salvation right now. And he knew that I was a PK and we were just friends at the time. Mm -hmm. And he was like, have you ever just, you know, that parable about the tax collector and, you know, the, the Pharisee, mm. you know, the far and the parable goes like the story that Jesus told is like this. Uh, the Pharisee was beating his chest saying, Oh, thank you, Lord, that I am not like that tax collector, that mm. sinner there. Thank you, yeah. Lord, that basically I'm better than them. You know, yeah. I don't sin the way they do. But this tax collector who is known as the sinner socially in every way was saying, Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner. Mm. And he asked me this question, who do you relate to, Lydia? And then I said, oh, I knew the answer right away. Oh, yeah, I relate to the Pharisee. That's kind of how I been living. No one knows that, but I often feel that, that I'm better mm. inside. and whenever I have the chance to admit that I am like everyone, pride keeps me from turning to Christ. Mm. And um, it was the first time I admitted it. So yeah, so in that experience, I actually came to Christ and said, Lord, I'm, I'm horrible for totally, you know, thinking I was, I, I'm so prideful and I repented and I was born again. Right. Mm, yeah. I, I really did a 180 came to Christ. Mm. And I remember in, it was in, uh, it was in Bible college. Right. And so I came to Christ and then someone asked me, Hey, so I heard you came to Christ. You want to share your story at our club? Yeah. And, um, I was like, of course. And did I feel ready? No. Yeah. Um, did I feel vulnerable? Yes. I'm the girl that everybody was like, wow, she's a leader. Wow, she's doing great things. Wow, she has a great future. Mm. And now I have to get in front of everyone and say, well, actually, I didn't, I was totally missing the point. Mm. I didn't even know what coming to Christ was. And, you know, but 
because the good news finally made so much sense to me. Mm. Like I, I was like, you know what? I don't care what people think of me. I'm just going to go up and give my testimony. Mm. So I said, yes. And I remember it was the day of the testimony, but I woke up and I had the worst case of allergies and I don't really have allergies mm. even till this day. Like I couldn't see straight. My nose was completely clogged. My throat was so itchy. Yeah. And so, and I think the testimony was at like 7 p.m. And so many times I wanted to be like, oh, maybe I should do it another time when I'm more presentable. Like I can't even think straight. Mm. I can't speak clearly. I can't even breathe. Like what is wrong with me? Maybe this, you know, so many of those thoughts went through my mind. Just cancel today, postpone it, postpone it. But then another part of me said, maybe this is good. Like just go as me instead of trying to be presentable as I was trying to be presentable most of my life, just go as I am. Like all I need mm. is the fact that he saved me. Mm. You know, there was a fight inside, right? Yeah. And I knew I was ready, but everything in me said, be more presentable, be more perfect, be more, um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, someone that people could be like, oh, because she told it this way, you know, she's so prepared. So with, uh, I don't know, refinement and finesse, like pe people will look to Christ more. Sometimes I think we think that a lot. Yeah. Like if we tell it like this, people are going to be drawn to Christ more. Mm. Eh. So anyway, um, I've, I just showed up and shared my testimony anyway. And oddly, after my, I gave my testimony about how I was messed up and how Christ saved me and that I was not an exception and that if anyone feels like they kind of missed the mark and is afraid to say, you know, in a Bible college that they should have things together because they're ready for Christian leadership, mm. but feel like maybe they missed it, you know, like, you know, Christ is calling you as well. Like I kind of gave a, a testimony and like an altar call like that. Mm. Um, afterwards, yeah, I got all sorts of different feedback. Not all positive. Mm. Some positive people were like, you know, I never thought about my salvation until you spoke of it. Yeah. Which lets you know a lot of people don't really, um, don't are not exactly where you think they are. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And people are lost and want that conversation. Right, right. And, but there were also other, you know, comments like, which I've shared. I know, Joe, you've heard this before, but like, mm -hmm. oh, I thought you had it all together, but actually you were way behind me. You know, there were those comments too. Did it hurt? Yes. Did I have an armor on my heart, armor on my heart that said, because you, are now found in Christ, those things don't hurt you. No, it hurt me a lot because I just shared vulnerably. And you think because you share Christ, everything should go well and everything should end like, I don't know, every episode of Full House, but it doesn't, you know, it's, it gets messy. But my allergies went away completely, no symptoms whatsoever. And then I realized, wow. Forget me not wanting to share it. The enemy doesn't want me to share it. Yeah. Like he'll do everything in his power to keep people from sharing it. And I think that for me was a great lesson mm. that it's a story meant to be shared and everything personal, 
demonic will come against it. Mm. But we're not just fighting fear, but we're fighting against huge resistance, you know, of all kinds. So I realized, I think that's when I kind of braced myself, like telling the gospel story is not going to be easy. It's not meant to be easy, but I'm going to do it anyway. Mm. Yeah, what a powerful reminder. I mean, because like, it's not, you're, I think, reemphasizing the point that it's like, it's very important for us to revisit our our gospel, like how we came to Christ and such so that um, we can, because like, it's not that we're just going against our fears so that we can present the gospel to people, but it's also that there is uh, a foe and there's an enemy and an element that resists um, us proclaiming the gospel to people. And so it's like, there are a lot of moving pieces when it comes to uh, presenting the gospel. Yeah. Evangelizing. Yeah. Definitely. And just to spell it, I think pride could also get in the way too, because pride is that thing that stands up to say it's defending you, but actually it's trying to protect you from rejection and, you know, just, or falling in any way. Mm. Mm. So there are a lot of moving pieces, as you say, Mm. that try to stop that. Yeah. Um, I think something I just kind of also wanted to get into the meat of this because it's like so far our conversation has been under the assumption that there is the willingness and readiness and the heart to present the gospel to talk about it. But it's also, I think, statistically, like Dr. Sammy mentioned and you mentioned, is that like, like it seems that a lot of believers find that evangelism is optional, like it's about like 50 50. Mm-hmm. much like that and it's like um i guess one of the issues that need to be addressed regarding that is like whether a believer or whether someone that is following god has the heart to want to share the gospel right because i think it's like mm-hmm. we know that this is the great commission and we know that this is one of the commands that have been given to us to represent and be ambassadors of this good news and hope of the world to mm-hmm. others and such but it's like i guess it's like i, gu- I guess i really wanted to address the heart issue because it's like if the heart to do that is not there or the heart as a believer believes that mission is optional then like i guess my question to you would be like what is it that we need to do to address this issue or if like we feel that we don't really want to share the gospel with people like how like how as believers do we reconcile that yeah, um, Sam talked about that, mm-hmm. that it could be a heart issue and that you really need to visit that, right? Yeah. Um, and to reconcile that. Well, I think that Christians often start believing that this life found in Christ is about me, about me flourishing about me progressing, Mm. about me moving forward. And I think when that becomes about me and not for the sake of Christ and his glory and his namesake, Mm. that our success, our position, our positionality is solely for um, who we live for, right? I think it could become that Christians 
really just begin to believe that any kind of inconvenience, anything that requires more than comfort doesn't um, relate to me. Right. You know what I mean? Like, um, it could go from giving to like, oh, no, God wants me to succeed. But if I'm not in a place where I want to be, mm-hmm. I don't need to give. I don't need to tithe. I don't need to give to the kingdom of God because God wants me to do well. Yeah. So why would he want me to suffer? And if and we could often become the judge of our own um, life, right? Yeah. Or it's like. Well, my life is going well and, you know, I love the friends that I have in my life, but, you know, and everyone's a Christian, so I'm good. My family's a Christian, you know, my family's um, Christian, my my immediate uh, friends are Christian, my spouse is Christian, so I'm good. God, you blessed me. I'm good. Mm-hmm. And then non-believers are all around you, but... The inconvenience of expanding your circle or inconvenience of stepping out of comfort. Yeah. I think often Christians start believing, well, I don't think that I'm meant to do that because God wants me to be happy and mm-hmm. comfortable. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like one of the criterias of um, heart issue. There are others too. I think sometimes other criteria could be some people check out because of the first thing that we talked about in this conversation, people just don't think they qualify. Yeah. And as a result, they check out out of fear and disqualification. Right. But I've, I remember I heard someone came to me and said, like, for like firm belief of this, they came and said, you know, some people are meant to speak the gospel. I'm meant to, and some are meant to live out the gospel. Um, I, and they said to me, I am meant to live out, but not speak of it. Mm. And it was, I, I remember speaking to the person because the person, you know, it really made me wonder, like, what made them believe? that they had to choose one. Yeah. You know? Or the other, yeah. Yeah. Over the other, yeah. Because that's that's incorrect. Um, but I think a lot of people might assume that because this part comes easier for me, I'll be the nice person. I'll be the nice Christian, but won't ever mention that I am a Christian. Mm. But Bible clearly talks about declaring Christ. I mean... Bible talks about that when Christ is preached, that lightness comes into the heart, into the darkness that's dulled, mm. just like light came into the world when God created the world. I mean, that's how powerful it is, right? When Christ is preached, not ourselves. But a lot of times people will live life and saying, well, I'm going to live a good life, mm. you know, an honest life, a kind life. Faithfully, I'm going to live it so that people will know that, um, you know, that God is alive. But if you don't mention it, then how would they know to whom, you know, the credit belongs? You know, who gave you that life? Who is the one changing you? Because Bible clearly makes it um, that 
how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news and news is meant to be shared, right. not just lived out. So I think, you know, I, I feel like our churches, you know, I'm, I'm proud of our church for being missional and living in this tension, mm. but I think there is an urgency God wants to bring in growing in the heart area of this qualification to know that whatever you believe about feeling disqualified, not good enough, I'm not there yet. That mentality, I think God is saying, that's not from me. Yeah. You know, and if that comes from you, that's not something I want you to be burdened by. I want you to share who I am and what I've done thus far and how you've gotten to know me thus far. You know, that's, I feel like God is saying that. And to those who are comfortable and, you know, for, you know, it's hard to say this word, but for selfish reasons or self, um, uh, self preservation reasons, living your, your own life, you know, mm. I think God is also confronting that and reminding people, actually, I've called you too to speak up. Right. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think that clears it up a lot because it's a, it seems like it's a matter of whether, we love God and we will follow and obey his commands or do we love what God has done for us? And is it like a self-serving mechanism? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think there's a middle ground of, you know, there's such, for some, there's a blindness mm -hmm. there that the, and this is like a, this is, um, it's like a blindness and an unawareness that, there are people who will feel like, well, I'm good. I'm actually a good Christian. Yeah. Like, oh, I think, you know, I, I'm better than most in this area. Mm. You know, I do more, I live more and in more integrity than others in the world. So there's kind of like a comparison kind of a Christian where, um, in your own examination, it's all good. It's all good. You know, like yeah. things are really great and you're doing really well. But in terms of is the power of the gospel demonstrated through that person's life, mm. through that person's um, witness, so-called witness that they're doing well, or one might be doing, think, assessing, personally assessing um, is doing well. I think there's also that category two that in between yeah i'm not so bad but yeah. you know um you know so i think god is wanting to address all of that and those parts all in three and more could exist as a temptation in all of us mm, yeah. in moments yeah. as well so it's not like oh i'm not one i'm not number two i must be number three it doesn't work that way sometimes all three and four Categories of temptation exist in moments and of opportunities. Right. And we might be fighting that every moment there is an opportunity as well. Mm. And so that's the mechanism in which we have to break through. Yeah. Whether it's fear, comfort, you know. Mm. And so these are all. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, continue, please. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That's what I was saying. Okay. Gotcha. It's it because, uh, so it seems like also something that I got from what you were saying about the comparison between like 
like talking about the gospel and living out the gospel is quite like living out the gospel is to also talk about the gospel isn't it like yeah. that's part of living it out so it's kind of like you're only doing 50 percent if you act and behave like a christian as opposed to the other 50 percent, which is about you know speaking about that truth and proclaiming this truth about your life as a as a result of a relationship with christ yeah because you could be a really really nice person yeah <laughs> and not have christ mm. and the assumption could be that you're the nicest person that anyone's ever met but it has to show through fruit there's it has to be vibrancy of who you're living for mm. you know like I am in love with my husband. Therefore, um, how I live my life definitely would, I would think it shows that I am in love with him. Like I'll talk about him a lot. Yeah. You know, I'll refer to him a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just can't help myself because I am committed to him. Yeah. But in the same way, who, who you love has to be known. It, it can't be a secret. Right. Use his message. So, yeah, it's so obvious, but I think it's interesting. Bible makes it clear. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, the enemy has darkened us and made our minds dull mm -hmm. to not, um, to realize this obvious truth. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, it has to be spoken. Right. There's like a whole bunch of rationalizations about why we're not qualified to talk about the gospel, I guess, is what I'm Yeah. Doing, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Do you have examples that you wanted to also share, Joe? Um, do you mean examples of like actually talking about the gospel with people, or like some of the fears and such, or? Or you you said the whole list of reasons for disqualification. No, it just sounded like you maybe had some examples. Oh, um, you might want to share from your perspective. Oh, sure. Not as a pastor, but someone who met Christ mm -hmm. and is living in Christ, you know? Yeah. Um, I guess, like, the reason why I brought up that question before about, like, you know, the time and place as to where to talk about the gospel is kind of maybe the area in which I find myself more these days. Um, mm -hmm. But I definitely do see the tension between, like, living out the gospel and also talking about it, because I think sometimes i fall into this category of person where it's like i think i i fell into the belief that you know a lot of the times people are going to read the christian and not the bible i think that's i'm botching the quote but like because of that how i act and behave and like the person i am is important to like i guess establish that credibility that i am a believer and a follower but um I don't think I'm necessarily afraid to talk about the gospel. Um, mm -hmm. And there are many times I have, and I'll, it's, it's funny. I guess I have like this weird thing that I do and I don't know how effective it is, but like whenever I'm with friends and such, and like somehow I can slip in a little bit of a fun fact about Christ and like the reality of our world or something like that. Like I'll, I'll mm -hmm. take that opportunity just cause like, I don't really uh -huh. know where the conversation is going to go. And so um, mm -hmm. I'll just like, put that out there or I'll I'll even mention about my life to my friends like oh yeah I do 
go to church regularly and consistently. Mm-hmm. I do do small group. I do do uh, this podcast because uh, this is what I believe. And um, mm-hmm. I think it's for the benefit of not just myself, but for a lot of other people as well. And so it's like, there are ways that I hint about the fact that I right. don't believe it, but it's not, it's, it's not totally clear that I'm having conversations about it. And I guess mm-hmm. that's where a lot of my tension regarding this sermon, which is a good tension, is coming from because it's like, am I really seizing every opportunity among mm-hmm. the people I'm conversing with about the gospel? Or am I just kind of shying away because of how people might perceive me or like like looking like a Jesus freak to the people around me and, you know, being turned off? Because, like, you know, I'm... I'm at school and an institution where like everything I say or do will probably be questioned. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a lot of friends come to church and, you know, accept Christ as a result of Mm -hmm. conversations too. Um, And so it's like, I, I, I guess that's just kind of where I'm currently at. And I'm wrestling with this after this sermon is also, am I, really talking about the gospel with people or am i just like hinting at it or am i you know Mm. am i am i really like am i really producing the conversation a qualitative conversation about christ that would hopefully bring people closer you know Mm. right and it's something you're wondering about and the tension that you're in Mm. but it sounds like you're also intentional. So you're really thinking about your methodology, right? It's not whether you're going to share Christ or hide Christ, but it sounds almost like, should I use the method of incrementally building the case that, you know, I live for Christ? Mm, yeah. So you do it in bite sizes? Yeah, kind of. Right? Over time. Yeah. Over time. Yeah, to build up so that it becomes enough clear, is that even correct? Enough clear (laughs) that, or evident that, you know, Mm -hmm. you are a Christian. I mean, they know you're a Christian already. Yeah, I I try to make that as clear as possible. (laughs) Right. Um, So it's about intentionality and you're just fighting through the tension of, how much more should I say? Or how should I say? When should I say? Mm. But I think you're already on that journey. But even then, like, I think um, watching for opportunities, you know, and sometimes going for it is also important. I'm sure you're already thinking about that, which is why many of your friends have come to Christ as a result. Yeah, I think. Right? I mean, what? I mean, just because it's like a lot of the times it's when I least expect it. You know what I mean? Because it's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. most of the time you, well, I don't know how everybody else thinks about conversations, but usually I feel like I expect a certain result uh-huh. from the co- conversation, whether it's like positive or negative and such like that. But it's like every time one of my friends had come to Christ, it had like zero to do with anything that I've actually ever said. But right. more so the fact that I was a friend that had spoken to them about it. So it's like, right. That's why it's like, which is the most important thing. Yeah, I guess so. And I, I know it's kind of like yeah. hard to see in the moment because it's kind of like, okay, I did the gospel 
conversation. This person is not ready. Um, I, I guess I, I don't really know where to go from here. And then somewhere along the lines, they do come to Christ and it's like, wow, um, how did that even happen? It's like, it, it blows. I guess what I'm trying to say is that it blows my expectations out of the water. Yeah. But it's not how it, when you say that, oh, I'm sorry. Oh no, please. No, that was, that was done. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I, well, when you say that, I think of two things. One is um, that God really does work in spite of our feelings. Mm. Like it really, whether we were there, you know, first century, right? Like before when Jesus died, you know, you could have faith that he could rise again mm. or you could doubt it. But when he dies and you might not have much of much faith that he might rise again. Mm. But regardless of whether I, what I felt or what they felt, he rose again. Yeah. So that's the first thing I think of. And I was really encouraged by that message. That's actually one of the messages in the pandemic, that despite what we feel, God is going to work. Absolutely. And he's going to do his thing. And the second thing that I'm reminded of um, is that God's power shows up when we mention his name. Mm. Yeah. You know, like... When Jesus says, uh, you know, when Jesus tells people to go and then he says, I will show up like he means it. And also when we say God is already working, you'll be surprised. God is already working in people's lives. And all you have to do is show up and and, you know, introduce Christ, like just the name of Jesus even. Right. right. Or being a Christian, like Christ follower, like. God shows up mm. like that's legit. Like it, it re he really does show up his power. It is a matter of the demonstration of God's power, mm. not about talk. So that's kind of a, what's the word? Nifty. Like it's <laughs> kind of neat to be reminded of. I don't know why I thought of that word, but it is though. It's like something you don't expect, but it happens time and time again. Yeah. God shows up. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, really cool to me because you know I, I guess i feel also I, I this just came up to me when you were speaking is that like sometimes i think like i feel like i need theological credibility also like mm -hmm. in order to have like a full picture of like how to communicate the gospel effectively and so it's like i feel like sometimes it could it could just be like me talking about like why the gospel makes sense and all this stuff and it's like it's it's, a, it's just like um and so like i guess what i'm trying to get at is that there's like this pressure to like have it be presented in a certain way and as a result mm -hmm. like so and so person is either closer to christ or not closer to christ and you hope that it makes enough sense like logical sense in order for this person to feel like you know, there's a credible case for Christ, but it's like what I'm finding time and time again is like it's not as so like theologically heavy for people to bridge the gap between them and their relationship with Christ. But it's it's like there's something more that is happening that has nothing to do with like me per se, like any active role. Mm -hmm. And this person evidently finds Christ. And that is like that is that always like like doesn't make i'm stammering because it, it, it like never really makes sense to me mm. yeah is are you trying to explain the reason why you work out 
Um, <laughs> I, I guess. I'm, to... I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> totally. Uh, if you don't know, as people are listening, Joe is a huge workout. Is that a meat? What do you call it? Workout buff? A uh, meathead, I guess, is the. A uh, meathead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that why you beef up? Because uh-huh. you just feel like you have to beef up, beef up with theology and yeah. pump it up That's and. Actually, a perfect you know? metaphor. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I need to be then, <laughs> super prepared for these things. Um, yeah, that's actually a really good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we try to beef up in whether it's theology or whether it's uh, medals of status because I think we feel better about ourselves mm. being vulnerable. Mm. But... You know, the amazing thing about the gospel sharing is that all it needs to be is not perfect, but authentic, genuine. Yeah, wow. (laughs) Yes, Joe, we love you without all the muscles, all right? (laughs) Thank you. I'm going to try to wrap my head around that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just joking. But yeah, I think that's the thing. A lot of times it could get the genuine authenticity of sharing sincerely who Christ is and what he has done Mm. gets literally covered up by you know muscles yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding but it gets covered up by you know all this fancy stuff and sometimes you might even get I'm sorry w- what are you saying like can you say it in plain words you know right. what you're trying to say to me yeah because you know people can tell when you share because we out of love we share and at least that's the motivation um, why we one should share, right? Mm, yeah. It's love. It's not self-righteousness. It's not a to-do checklist. Even though even then God works because gospel itself is powerful. Mm, yeah. You know, but just a sincere desire for someone to know the news that saved you mm. is all that is required. Mm. Seems like heart is more important than muscle when it comes to the gospel yes <laughs> true but in yes i know you're just joking but yeah. i just be, to be a little bit more technical about that a lot of people wait for their heart to be sincere to share <laughs> but like why i say that is because how do you really know when your heart is sincere other than when you choose to be sincere right you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm going to get my heart right. I'm going to get my life right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get my status, all the ducks in a row. But yeah. what if you're a super critical person and you actually in reality will never have all those things mm-hmm. in a row? Then will you miss out on all these opportunities of a life fully lived for Christ in fullness? Um because you're waiting to get things done a certain way, you know? So I think being vulnerable is pretty genuine on its own. Yeah. Sharing that we are not the heroes of our own story, but Christ is introducing the name of Christ and who he is. I think that is already sincere and powerful. Christ has already done the work. Mm. We just need to, you know, share it and say, well, this is why I'm number two and Christ is number one. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Because if you are sincere, there's no like process of becoming more sincere. 
right? Mm-hmm. It's just like if you know that you care about something or you are coming from an honest place, it's it is what it is, right? Like it is just honest, vulnerable conversation about how Jesus has, you know, radically changed your life. Yeah, because sincerity also is not a feeling. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we often think that it's a feeling, but it's not. Mm. And feelings are important. And a lot of times feelings will tell us what's going on inside, but it's not always so accurate because the heart is also very deceitful and we're inaccurate in the way that we assess what's really going on inside. Yeah. So all we can do is in the moment choose each day to be genuine and to obey and share the news that's saving us. As simple as that, I think. Right. Yeah, I agree. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I have a one of um, my uh, one of like the mom friends, right? I pick up or uh, no, I drop. What is it? Pick up. I haven't done that in a while. Cause kids are learning remotely. <laughs> but you know, sometimes like a bunch of moms just you know kind of chat and catch up. And I remember one of the moms, I like all the moms that know me know that I am a Christian mm-hmm. and that I serve the church, right? Mm-hmm. So they know that about me because um, I've shared that with them. And but I remember once, but I don't know much about them sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Whether they had faith or don't have faith or, and I'm getting to know them. And that's kind of like, something that I'm interested in. And I remember what, what I remember one of the moms had put up a quote by a Christian speaker. So it kind of opened up a conversation about faith. Mm. And even though this is my intention, right? I was surprised by how hungry she was about faith. Right. Like I just said to her, Hey, like I noticed that, you know, you put up this quote on Facebook you know, that's a Christian speaker. I'm just wondering, um, are you Christian? Mm. And then um, she was like, oh, actually, I'm not going to church or anything, but I believe in in faith. Like, I believe in, I believe in all of that, Lydia, she said. Mm. I said, oh, do you? And then I said, so what keeps you um, from, oh, I didn't say what keeps you. I said, oh, so... Oh, so you are a Christian. You are a believer. You believe. And she was like, yeah, I do. And then she started talking about like, yeah, but I feel like I, I am this, I am that, I am this. And she talked about her disqualification of why yeah. she can't go back to church and all these things. So it became a conversation about that. Right. But it's a journey, you know, sometimes you'll have that and then you think everything's going to be great next time I see her or just help her recommit to Christ. But it's a journey. Sometimes, I mean, even discipleship doesn't go this like go smooth, right? Oh, yeah. There are valleys and hills. <laughs> yeah. And I remember um, one day, so I'm kind of like incrementally, you know, connecting with her on this level. And I remember one day she was like, you know, I have family members who are always trying to like tell me all these verses, and I know all the verses in my head, and I don't want to be bothered by other people telling me about them. And then I remember in that moment, I was like, oh, is she saying I'm one of those people? Oh, yeah. Or is she saying, is she just sharing with me that others have done this and it turns her off? Yeah. 
So even though it was going smoothly, I'm in a place where I'm wondering, oh, did I do something wrong? Mm. Like, did I say something wrong? Is she telling me to back off? Is she telling me continue? So it's a journey of growth, I think, for all of us, you know? Mm. I just share that to say that it's a process sometimes. Yeah. It's not so smooth and sometimes it gets messy. And then I think I just said to her, I said, oh, okay. So you don't like it when people tell you verses or tell you about the Bible or anything like that. So do you mind if I, do you mind when I do, when I speak? I, I think I kind of like uh, hinted at, are you referring to me? Yeah. Are you saying it to me? And then um, she actually said, no, no, actually, I'm saying to you that I don't mind it when you do it, but I mind when other people have done that before. Mm. So, again, like, we cleared it up. Right. So that, because I could have totally backed off and said, okay, maybe she needs her space. Yeah. But, again, you engage a conversation. Conversation takes two to have one. Yeah. And you and you continue the journey. And so I think that's the thing. I think that's what God is requiring of us for us to be in a place where we put our, in ourselves in um, places where we become a friend along the journey. And the journey is long. Mm. It would be called a friend along the drive if it was just two <laughs> endings, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's a journey. A journey is long. You pack food. You pack like clothes for right. that. Because mm. it's longer than we think. Mm. So I think all he requires of us is to put ourselves in these transitions and relationships so that when the time is right, we can speak about him. Mm. Not just once, but maybe twice, three times, you know? Maybe every week. Again and again. Yeah. yeah, maybe every week. So actually, I hadn't seen her since the pandemic when school closed. So mm. it's been like six weeks. And I've been adjusting and I didn't really get a chance to check up on my mom friends that are locally here. Yeah. Just once virtually. And I remember um, a few days ago, I just felt... And I'm telling you, I'm not a saint. I'm not thinking about her all the time, right. you know? She's, like, locally here, but I'm not – she's not the per first person on my mind. Mm, yeah. You know, others are on my mind before her. So, again, how – we could talk about sincerity, but we have a lot on our plates, right? So – but I remember one day I woke up, and I said – um, I just felt like – I okay, I, feeling is the wrong word. I didn't feel anything. I just thought of her and I said, you know what? I think I want to reach out to her and just say hi. Right? Yeah. And so I did. I just said, hey, you know, how are you doing? And then she goes, Lydia, yesterday I went to the ER because I thought I had COVID. And she, doctors couldn't figure out what's wrong with me. So I just got the test done because I had really bad chest pains. That's what she told me. And then I said, oh, wow, you just were on my mind, but I'll be praying for you. And she was like, oh, my gosh, thank you, Lydia. And um, it was like a very timely conversation, right. right? And so I didn't feel anything towards it. Is God continuing that journey? I think so, definitely. Mm. So I think 
I mentioned that because that's like a very current story. I think sometimes we could be like, oh, the person didn't actually come to Christ though in the pandemic. And sometimes that could be the expectation. Yeah. But what if we're just meant to be a friend along the journey, you know, mm-hmm. in life, in this pandemic, and just be faithful and obedient to be ready mm-hmm. to speak of him and to live, live faithfully each day, um, missionally every day. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think the opportunities are vast. Mm, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I resonate with that story greatly because it's kind of like, I think some of the ways in which I framed my relationships and being able to present the gospel has been to first be a friend um, because the opportunities to share life together and like share my faith and such will happen eventually or like sometime later as a product of the relationship. And like, I've seen for myself how even after years and years of friendship, there is a, there is like a place of reconciliation of my friend and Christ and they come to faith and such like that over, over a long span of time. Um, yeah. But it, it really started with wanting to be a friend, just kind of like in the because what you're describing to me reminds me of a picture of Christ, like how Christ has befriended so many people first um, and had a relationship with them first. And, you know, he did what he did and had his ministry over that time as a product of who he was. Right. Right. But you know what, though? At the same time, I think sometimes the expectation could be that we have to be really close friends yeah. or become close friends for that person to be closer to Christ yeah. or even to follow Christ. But that's sometimes not true. Mm. You know, sometimes the relationship of closeness is not a indicator of where that person is yeah, in faith. Just be, you know, so... Because I am not really that close. Like when I say mom friends, mom friends are people who you connect on a level of being a mom to a kid who is at school and you may do certain activities together, but not necessarily uh, share all of life together. Right. So I think there's differentiation of, you know, or maybe just expectation. Mm, Right. Mm. So whether there's a real closeness or not i think our friendship is defined by genuineness and being there for each other um in that co- in the mom context mm. of, because of our kids but also we're seeing that it's even outside of that context because pandemic is beyond school stuff right you know she was talking about life and death. She was fearing for life and death, but me texting her in that moment helped her connect to know that, I mean, I may not be the only person that God, God led to reach out to her in that moment of fear, mm-hmm. you know, or need. There may be others, you know, definitely. Um, I don't know, but all I know is that it was evident to me 
that God is reaching out to her. Forget using me, mm. that, that God is already working in her life. Mm. And me not feeling anything, just thought of her name and thought, okay, I think it's time I reach out to her mm. since the pandemic. Mm. So. You see? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, how do we continue to heed this call? Um, because I know this pandemic isn't like going to be like forever, right? It's not like going to remain for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. But like, mm -hmm. how can we actively participate um, given our circumstances and also like for the rest of our lives? Because I think, you know, it is imperative as believers and followers of Christ that um, this mission is on the forefront of our minds. Um, and so I guess mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, how do we continue to heed the call to continue talking and proclaiming Jesus to our friends and family and to others? How do we heed the call? I think, one, we talked about conviction. Mm. Don't wait for a feeling, but know that the knowing that someone is in need of the same good news that saved you mm. um, is probably a lot closer than you think, you know? Um, conviction. The other thing is, don't wait for everything to be perfect or for you to feel sincere and ready, but know that the fact that you have met Christ is already the readiness inside. You're telling the story of Christ working in your life, Christ saving you, him being number one and him being hero. And I think just the willingness to admit that again to a friend mm. is good enough. So that they wonder about Christ themselves mm. and whether they might accept him on that in that moment or in the future is not up to us. Right. But at least if you've mentioned the very person why you are, you are who you are and who you're becoming and living a full life as a result, they have a reference point to know. You know that you know that conversation we had? Can you tell me about that? I've been thinking about that. But the absence or not mentioning Christ, I think, has a lot more um of a negative effect than mentioning Christ mm -hmm. in the long haul. Right. Yeah, so like I think thinking about it, I think my you know, oftentimes it could be like, oh, let me just pray about why this keeps me from uh, sharing the gospel. Let me do some soul searching. Mm. You know, that is a good step. But sometimes I would say this. A lot of times people get like, I'm going to say this really carefully, but a lot of times people do start soul searching and get caught up in the focus of self searching that people often get lost and lose time, actually. Yeah. So I think the tension is really important that while we don't feel perfect and ready and put together, that we share the news, that we look around us and see that people need to hear the gospel, that we need to be in contact with people who need the gospel. Mm. You know, yeah, because we're 
I think the more we think that something is wrong and that we need to better ourselves and improve ourselves, you know, if you're one of those progressive types that, you know, want to live a full life, I think the temptation is also there to make, get so much about fixing things and fixing problems within that you could totally miss the problem. It's very counterintuitive to even say that, but oftentimes that can happen. Mm. And the mission is meant to be done and the good news is meant to be shared um, in spite of our imperfections mm. and our qualifications and disqualifications. So that's kind of like the point of the message, mm. you know? Yeah. It didn't really matter. No, nothing really mattered other than the fact that the news was sent and yeah. shared that Jesus was alive. Right. So mm. I think, yeah, I think that's my answer. To heed to it means to, I think, embrace the call mm -hmm. that we're all meant to be missional. Yeah. So, having said all that. <laughs> yeah. um, do you have any last thoughts, uh, Pastor Lydia, uh, that you want to share? Um, I just have this one thing. Um, as we end mm. is that I remember, I know that we took a break for about a month with Easter and adjustment of social distancing and everything. And now we're meeting virtually to record, which is awesome. It's foreign, but I felt like you were in the room with me, Joe. So this is good. <laughs> um, good. I'm glad. Um, and then hopefully people who are listening also feel uh, that connection as well, that we're all in this together. But, you know, to remind us of, I remember going into the pandemic right before everything started shutting down, even church um, gatherings at the theater, there was a dream of four categories of people that people would come in contact with and that those people needed to find the door um, of Christ, which is really to find Christ, right? To be invited into a door they would not normally find outside of this pandemic. Everyone is virtually connected at this point. Yeah. You know, within reach and actually similarly distanced. So, and the dream was about those people coming to a door that they would normally not find. And that door was full of light and it is. Jesus is the door. He is a gate. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So it's a huge gospel opportunity. So I would say, you know, don't wait for the pandemic to reach out to them in genuine, um, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, mm. you know, but reach out to them now. Yeah. This is where everyone's at virtually. So reach out to them now and start conversation now. Start engaging now. And if people come, you know, in your past, um, just, you know, ask the Lord, God, is this an opportunity that you're bringing before me? And if I can make it an opportunity to, you know, reach out and surely God will always be like, Hey, the good news is for all. So, you know, I guess that's all I'm saying. Mm. Their opportunity is vast. Yeah, the harvest is still plentiful, even if we're social distanced. 
Exactly. Mm. Yes. Yeah, that's a that's a great reminder because I think sometimes we could give ourselves the excuse that you know we're not meeting up with people and such, so it's t- too hard to talk about the gospel. But we do have like a pretty unique opportunity to also share the good news and the hope of the world with people that are in need or suffering also during this time together. You know, um, I know I keep saying that I'm done, but I just am reminded of something so important, um, which is right now I think more than ever, prayer is such a huge tool of encouragement and also evangelism to let people know, um, you know, even for the front frontline workers, um, people in the healthcare, people are, you know, people know somebody that's sick, you know, families are struggling, there's a mental health struggle. Um, It's a difficult time for all. And I think we could reach out with prayer, just kind of like how I reached out to my friend and it was an encouragement for her and not just for her sickness, but also I believe for her faith of the journey that we're all talking about. So I think reaching out and letting someone know and actually saying, Hey, I, I'll keep you in prayer knows that there's God above and not just assumed, you know? So I think just reiterating that to not assume the good news is known and will be told somehow, but to actually say it in every way that we can Mm. in one shot or incrementally, I think it's really important in the whole process of sharing the good news. Yes. Well, thank you so much for this conversation, Pastor Lydia. I'm certainly blessed by it. And, you know, I feel that this, this, I mean, this sermon and this conversation is also a great way for me, especially, and I'm, I'm sure for all of us to be reminded of the importance of the Great Commission and how it is like one, like probably the biggest priority for each and every one of us as believers. Yeah, no, for me too. Such a great reminder. Mm. Oh, I, okay, sorry. This is, I was going to say this. Oh, yeah. Invite people to the virtual remote um, services. All you have to do is post it up on Story, use the link in bio. Um, There's so many ways to get people to um, hear an encouraging message in this time. Mm. So, yeah, there's so many um, opportunities in that way and resources as a result. Oh, yeah. People who would not enter a church building or even the theater because of whatever is the barrier can listen and encounter God in their own living room and in their own bedroom because you invited them. So I think it's such a great opportunity to share the link with people mm-hmm. so people could be encouraged and find Christ. I agree. I, now that you know, yeah, I'm really done now. Oh, no, okay. I agree because it's a good point because uh, I just I forgot to mention that I did do that with some of my cool friends. And, you know, I didn't expect anything from it, but it was the Good Friday service that I shared with mm-hmm. my friend. Uh-huh. You know, one of them just started asking me questions and such. Um, wow, about, like, that's great. Yeah, about like, you know, who was that guy that was dying next to Jesus and stuff like that. And like, was this the moment so it's like there was something definitely there um so i what i'm trying to say is that i also agree that it's important and great and a great resource for us to share uh our virtual stuff that's online um for with our friends 
Yes. Okay, I do have one more thing. I think also because people are with their families and could say, well, there's a language barrier. I can't share the gospel with my family because they don't speak English or, you know, they speak Chinese or they speak Korean or, um, what, you know, Japanese. Like there's a, there could be a language barrier, right? But the powerful thing is I, I heard of a story in our community where, um, because people are socially distanced and are quarantined together. When the TV turns on for Sunday service, for remote service, everyone hears the gospel. Or I think it was Good Friday service. Um, they saw Jesus dying on the cross. The whole passion, um, you know, yeah. the journey. And as a result, um, one of the family members, like, asked who is that person and why is that happening someone who had not heard of the gospel or heard of christ and what he has done and as a result the granddaughter um in her best um you know ability share the gospel about who this man is mm -hmm. because it kind of like brought the context to her right? right she didn't have to explain well grandma i'm a christian because she just had to answer, well, actually, that's Jesus. And she shared the gospel as a result. Yeah. And so for the first time, her Buddhist grandmother heard the gospel. Mm -hmm. And there are stories like this as a result. So don't let any kind of barrier become the reason or excuse why you might not share it. But know that God is working mm -hmm. and he will show up. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm really done. Okay. <laughs> so as we do every Sunday at the theater, we also want to refer you back to the ministry time. Um, we sang a song, Come to the Father. It's such a great reminder of why we come to the Father and why we want to invite others to also come to the Father. So, yeah, that will be at the end of this talk. Fantastic. All right. Well. Thank you so much, Pastor Lydia Henry, uh, for our first virtual podcast. Uh, I think it was it was fun, um, different but fun. <laughs> yes, same here. All right, and uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll hear, or you'll hear from us next week as well. Yes. Bye bye. Bye yes. everyone. Today, will you lift your hands as we pray together as we conclude our service? And could we together today draw, plant a flag on the ground, draw a line in the sand, I literally have sound down here. <laughs> Will you pray for the conviction of the Holy Spirit to take this message of the gospel that no one could come to the Father except through Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Across the dorm room, across our neighborhood, across the room, and across the nations. That we would become a community that sends an in obedience to go in our fear, in our mess, in obedience to utter the name of Jesus. And have Jesus show up in power to restore the beauty in the deadness of people's life in a broken and dark world.
Let's be the light together. Think about all the life change in our community, all the people who've come to, to know the Lord. But there are so many that need the Lord, and I believe 180 in my heart that we're going to be an unstoppable force in the city, in the world, and God is inviting you to join Him. Bring this gospel so everyone could come to the Father. So will you pray for the faces? And will you pray that God would lift your fears and give you courage and faith to become an active participant in moving the kingdom of God forward? So let's pray and sing our anthem together and let the Lord convict us and lead us today.
Now for the benediction. Will you bow your heads? Be still and know I am God. Be still and know I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. God bless you. Let the shalom of God go with you. Amen. Until next week. Bye now. Uh, this is Pastor Billy here at the Mulberry Apartment sharing some community news with you guys. Uh, first things first, I uh, just want to just share that um, I miss you guys. It's been seven weeks. What Dr. Sammy said uh, last week, I'm looking forward to a day where I could see you guys and say hello and just laugh and um, have fun and just worship together. And I can't wait for that because for me as an extrovert, if I don't have that, I go crazy. Um, and first things first, I do want to talk about tithes and offerings. And I just want to say uh, I'm, we're so grateful for the faithfulness uh, and the commitment that us as our members uh, that you guys have been uh, giving and tithing faithfully. Um, and we are very appreciative of that. And so once again, we just want to remind anyone who feels like a member uh, to give faithfully or to give whatever God has convicted you in. And we want to thank you for those who have donated online. Um, it's been such a huge blessing for us. Uh, it's been incredible to see how much um, people are willing to give and be generous in this time, especially when things are very stressful. Also, we're very appreciative that um, even though whether the big or small donations, the fact that uh, you feel honored and blessed by what we're giving online has just been an incredible encouragement for us to keep going and doing what we're doing to create these uh, broadcasts with these remote services uh, to actually bring some hope um, and joy in life, especially in a dark time like this. So uh, we just want to say as a church, we are so grateful and we are so blessed um, by your support and your giving. Uh, next thing on the list is actually Bible Reading Group. And so we have that for you guys on our Tumblr and our Instagram page. And for those who are looking for ways to just have a, a simple uh, sentence or verse or just something to just dig in and be anchored in God during this time. We have that for you guys. And so we encourage you guys to subscribe and follow uh, 180BRG on Instagram. It's posted up and you'll have uh, a verse every day. And so look, look for that and look into that. Um, the other one is on prayer text line and hotline and it's 5397 prayer. And I would totally encourage you guys to use this resource uh, especially at this time where uh, there is so much uncertainty, support is so so needed, especially prayer. And it's always a comfort to know that there are people praying for you, that there's a support for you, and also to be reminded that um, in this time we could actually look up. And so we do have a hot prayer hotline, 5397 prayer. Remember that all the prayers are confidential in every way, and if there's a praise report, um, please let us know. Like, like, there's been so many stories that I've been hearing about people that have been infected with COVID or just struggling with a sense of loss um, and fears. And to know that there are people praying and they're knowing and knowing that there's a God that is listening is always, always comforting. Um, and it's much needed as much as the physical, emotional, um, and mental uh, rest that we need. The next one is small groups. 
please join us. We moved to a remote site um, through the various applications like Zoom, Google Chat, and all that stuff. And if you haven't been part of one, or you're looking for a community because of our social distancing, this is the place to go. To tell you the truth, even for me as a pastor, this has been such an anchor and a lifeline for me. Um, as an extrovert, I've been going crazy. There's a, there's a thing called pandemic peeves where I go nuts. Um, and sometimes I have huge cabin fever, but just even just seeing faces, uh, uh, familiar faces that I know um, that that's, that knows what I'm going through, that I could share and talk about in that support has been helping me so, so much. And so if you guys are feeling like that as well, don't hesitate to contact me um, at billykim at billykim180 at gmail.com and I can plug you into one. Uh, please join us. We have it for you guys for that reason, um, especially during this pandemic. It really shows that we are creatures of connection and we need it. Um, the next one is uh, finally uh, social media. And as you can tell, um, we have various social media sites. And like Stu said before, if you're here tuning with us, you're probably using one or two of them. And so we have multiple ways where we can connect online, especially at this time. And I do want to highlight the podcast, which has always been great. It's always been amazing. Um, and it's been a powerful discussion with Dr. Sammy's messages with uh, Pastor Lydia and Joe Liu, um, who just give a really, really uh, honest, vulnerable, insightful perspective on the, pa uh, on, the, on the message that's given. So tune into that as well, and I would love for you guys to subscribe. Um, other than that, that is all the announcements for today. Um, and I look forward to the day when I can actually see you guys face to face. Other than that, I miss you guys, praying for you guys, um, and have a good week.